2003, baby. Now the time has come to see the show, the show, the show, the show. Hey, oh. this is Drew. You like that, Ashley? That was quick. <laughs> yeah, it's a short one. We're still experimenting with the theme song for this year. That's from an adult film company called Electric Blue. So awesome. it's time for this very adult show starring my little sister, Ashley. Wait, was that weird, a bad weird segue? segue? Yeah, terrible. <laughs> and biggest, bestest friend, Derek. Biggest, bestest? <laughs> okay. Hey. Meanwhile, you are not listening to an adult film podcast. You're listening to New Release, a movie podcast with a time traveling twist. Episode 140 dicks. Six. Wait. Whoa. 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 <laughs> whoa. whoa. Ashley, <laughs> when the heck are we this week? That's the last one I'm going to make. I probably, probably not true. Um, yeah, probably not. Okay. <laughs> the year is 2003. It's the middle of January. Classes just started back up, so we figured it was time for our first vacay. Hit the slopes, see some indies, make some deals. Whoop, whoop. That's right. <laughs> New releases going to Sundance, party people. Park City, Utah, here we are. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Any... Well, I thought it was going to be a lot colder, and uh, and it isn't. It's, as a matter of fact, it's almost balmy outside, so you know, we, we may all pay for that tomorrow. But right now, I'm happy. It's good. Well, hopefully the altitude here will make everything. Well, as long Thank as you, Morgan happy. Freeman, yeah. for the yeah. weather report. <laughs> wow. Ashley, have you been to Park City? I have. Yeah. I actually was here this this summer, this past yeah. summer. I mean, aside from right now. Oh, aside from right now, yes. Yeah. Um, in present day, <laughs> I was here like five months ago. So you went <laughs> not during uh, ski season. You went during... No, it was the, during the summer, and it was awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's it where I learned beautiful... how to snowboard. Beautiful town. Oh, oh really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Great spot. Yeah. Well, nothing's changed basically, um, except all the celebrities that are milling around. J Lo, Ben Affleck, shopping. Um, might hear from Polly Shore later. All Can't of our, wait. all of our friends. But yeah, we are doing one of our first um, road trips for the podcast. We've gone to like spring break in Panama City, but like this is a movie specific trip. We figured, you know, with all the um, funds that we've been storing up from the gift shop and from the sponsorship deals that Derek has been uh, working so hard to procure that we could splurge and go to a film festival as VIPs. So Ooh. yeah, we're on a lot of panels and um, fielding a lot of questions from the other celebrities, but we're still making time for movies. Ashley, what what's um, what have our movie options been? What have we been seeing? Um, what's going on here? Well, there are so many, th- so many, so many good movies playing right now. Um, I'll just mention a couple, and then we can sure. talk about the ones we actually, we actually saw. But there's what Alice found, my flesh and blood, mm. the station agent, which is getting pretty high praise. Um, Thirteen, the murder of Emmett, and a certain oh. kind of death. Just to name a few. Yeah, there's there's also a movie that I didn't get to see that I really wanted to called Fear X. Um, mm. Nicholas Winding Refn, the dude who did Drive and oh. um, uh, Neon Demon, some of my favorite more recent movies. I think this might have been his one of his his first films. Well, no, that's not true. Um, he made Pusher before this, but um, this is a movie I hadn't even heard of until we traveled back in time. <laughs> I didn't hear about it the first <laughs> time around, 
but maybe I'll get a chance to check that out later. And we'll definitely get a chance to check out some of the films that you mentioned later this year. But it's fun to be part of the early buzz and see the uh, the excitement around them and have something to look forward to all season long. Oh, yeah. But we are going to talk about something we did see. And what might that be, Ashley? Well, let me describe the poster to you a little bit. Um, you have Paul okay. Giamatti, who is amazing, and Hope Davis. Um, and it's just like a little bit of a, looks like a comic book background. And Paul Giamatti is up front and he's sifting through some papers. It's pretty, um, it looks kind of like a novel, like kind of like a boring novel from the 80s cover. <laughs> If you had to, you know, just kind of like off white and just doesn't soup doesn't grab your attention, but also P- Paul Giamatti's on in it, so we should probably go see it just for him. yeah. It is very beige, but then you get a feel for like the lo-fi art style of mm-hmm. the comic. But yeah, let's go, let's watch it and then talk a little bit more about it. Talk shit about it. Just kidding. Yeah. Okay, let's go. All right, let's <laughs> show those fucking VIP passes, baby. Mm-hmm. Straight to the front. I think we should skip the whole courtship thing and just get married. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm welcome to Harvey Picard. You're Harvey Picard. You're famous. Son, you're done good. You are living the American dream. I never felt more like a sellout hack in my life. You do me wrong, but still I'm crazy about you. I'm still a file clerk. I have always been a file clerk. Could you get me some water and a few aspirin? What, you got a headache? No, but I want to avoid one. You should try believing in something bigger than yourself. It oh, might hey. cheer you up. Yeah. What a way, she's depressed. Yeah. American oh my Splendor. Gosh. Yeah. Um, before we talk about it, I want to go ahead and... Um, say this seems like the absolute favorite darling of the audience so far got a huge crowd reaction um so that was lovely to see um some of the cast was there this movie is so uh fresh and original feeling um 20 years later even though we're back in the present moment like because it mixes documentary and narrative storytelling in a way i can't remember having seen before i mean some films mix it but you see the same you see the real life character of um harvey Picar on screen um sometimes even with like paul giamani in the background playing him that was reacting. one of my favorite scenes yeah so, <laughs> so go cool. just just that's my preamble um what what did y'all think of of the movie i hated it no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> after your rape review i'm like it's terrible Walked out no. It was really good. I would say some of the scenes were hard to watch because Harvey Picard can be quite depressing as a mm-hmm. main character, but um, it was very good. And yeah, I've never seen something like this before. It was new and fresh, and the way they make like the comics with him and act in like real life, and with him as like the character as playing the actual person and the persons in the scene, and it just. And then they went to like the David Letterman stuff, and it was just it was so good. What'd you yeah, think, Eric? it was it was yeah it was very uh very creative absolutely you've got like it shows a comic book like a page out of a comic book but then it has uh like they cut in the actual film within some of the strips right mm-hmm. and yeah like like ashley had mentioned the characters come out of the comic books and are in 
in the the full frame you know uh shot i, I don't know it's hard to describe but yeah. yeah it was it was great and it was such a weird like uh biopic slash documentary mm-hmm. yeah it, it was interesting it's so i feel like that was the most respectful way to um capture the characters like it never mm-hmm. it feels like a caricature because the guy created a character of himself and right. turn that into a comic book, but like it doesn't feel like an unfair representation because it's constantly balanced out with the real guy. <laughs> so, yeah, and it felt no yeah, it felt very genuine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even like a very um delicate uh character to portray, like Toby, who has uh, autism, at least that's what they say in the in the movie. That's what Joyce says um, when she's psychoanalyzing everyone. Um that's a very, you know, broad type of uh, or it can be like a touchy type of personality um, trait to display on screen. But then you see the real Toby and you see the real Toby watching um, the guy playing him. And it's just like, <laughs> clearly they love um, the filmmakers have real affection for the people they're mm-hmm. portraying and wanted to do them, um, wanted to do the story in a way that incorporated them and showed off their like genuine range of emotions um, I just thought it was so uh, nice to see that done. And the scene with the jelly beans, like really, oh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Toby really kind of steals the show. We actually, that's, um, we, we have a clip from him if we want to just play that now. Which he's talking about a film we might have watched for the podcast. <laughs> oh. What movie could possibly be worth driving 260 miles round trip for? It's a new film called Revenge of the Nerds. It's about a group of nerd college students who are being picked on all the time by the jocks. So they decide to take revenge. Uh, So what you're saying is you identify with those nerds. Yes, I consider myself a nerd. And this movie has uplifted me. I just love yeah. him so much. Yeah. And yeah, you get to like when um we're jumping to the very end here, but when Paul Giamani um uh, when Harvey Picar has his retirement, I think that's actually they cut to footage of his mm-hmm. real life retirement. Um and it's just like yeah, he's working the most mundane. Uh, I mean, like the film has a lot of like social commentary similar to what was the name of the Tom Hanks Joe versus the volcano. Oh, he's yep. working a job that's uh, could be soul crushing on a lot of levels, just filing uh, files. <laughs> yep. Um, but the people in his life are, he, he has genuine connections with his coworkers like Toby. And you really see it in that farewell party where, I mean, they're just having cake. It's like the, a, a very generic office party somehow yeah. like portrayed in the most beautiful, loving way. Yeah. Yeah. And his, and they're like adopted daughters there too. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, one one thing before we kind of talk about some of the other um story beats of the movie, did y'all know anything about this comp like this underground comic? I did not. No. I did not either. I did know uh, or well I saw the film about uh what was the guy's name Crumb? Yeah, um, his Robert friend. Crumb. His and they friend even Crumb. yeah, and this came out after that documentary apparently because in the very beginning they're like my friend Robert Crumb, he also has a movie about him. Mhm. Um, yeah, yeah. 
in that's... that comic. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just I'm familiar with Robert Crumb, but no, uh, this American Splendor, no. I think Crumb's comics were they have like these kind of um, uh, exaggerated, almost grotesque like representations. Like the 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 art style is very distinct, and it was kind of like edgy, weird, offbeat um, comics. I think what was so interesting about the American Splendor storylines is it was meant to just be very abnormal mundane <laughs> almost like a non-funny version of seinfeld like yeah. they're but he's in encountering right yeah yeah Which like so he's encountering normal obstacles or normal you know things that everyone encounters in life he couldn't he couldn't draw for shit no (laughs) he was literally drawing stick figures oh Um, yeah (laughs) um so like his the extent of his like storytelling was his comic book storytelling was to um write down like things that happened to him and is a day-to-day existence but in a way that still was like that really caught on with people um well it was super relatable i suppose like he talked about how the other comic books of the time were like all the superhero and all this stuff where you can't really relate Mm -hmm. and it has to have like the certain ebb and flow, ebb and flow of each comic, um, in order to make sense. Whereas his is like he can just tell like whatever stories he wants, like short stories and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, like somebody taking too long at the supermarket <laughs> checkout counter, and just like I mean, eventually he would deal with much heavier subject matter, like when he gets uh, testicular cancer. Yeah, our cancer uh, year. Yeah. So and then he meets this woman. Joyce, who is running an independent comic, uh, comic book store in another part of the where is she like Pennsylvania? She's in oh she Delaware, was... Delaware. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So she's this movie is very like rooted in Cleveland. Um. So it's all filmed and set in Cleveland, where Harvey Picard spent his whole life. It seems like, and um. So she is so enamored with the comic and um her like hippie boyfriend sells the last copy before she can read it so he contact she contacts harvey directly and they start like a phone and letter um relationship before they eventually meet what did what did y'all think of their um relationship courtship and um kind of so, so strange <laughs> yeah so, so strange and I <laughs> like she moves time, in yeah well and i didn't know at the time of the comic book like that other guy like the hippie guy was her boyfriend or just like her partner at the comic store i don't even know yeah i said yeah. boyfriend but it seems Cause cause... she said partner and i don't remember her like at all at any point being like oh no i have to like ditch my boyfriend it was more like i'm just leaving the shop I'm i over think they it. had already separated i think they i think she mm. did say like they started it together maybe gotcha. and they were in a relationship but I, by the point that we see them yeah, it wasn't like yeah. scandalous that she left him or anything. No. And then they meet, and so then she flies all the way out there. They meet in the tr- like a train station, or I guess maybe she's a train. I don't know. Um, and she's trying to look. She's looking around to try and figure out like what he's actually going to look like. She can't <laughs> tell because of the comics. That seems yep. brilliant. Well, so. and that's another way that they um, use the device of both characters showing up in the movie to their advantage the, all throughout the history of the comics. Again, because he couldn't draw. Um, he was handing it off to his friend Crumb, but it wasn't just Crumb that was drawing him. It was his whole um, like group of artists that that he worked with. So there was there was numerous different portrayals of Picar. And where do we think Paul Giamatti lands in the spectrum? <laughs> Is he appealing? Does it matter? Who? Like... 
It doesn't matter, really. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would say um, he's not like the smelly cartoon drawing that he sure. that she was alluding to, but he's not like whoever she said Marlon Brando. I don't remember what the comparison was. The other, the other <laughs> yeah. end of the spectrum, but he's definitely not that end either. He's just somewhere around. But it doesn't matter. I mean, they're both right. super weird and work together. So yeah, like she gets there, she's he doesn't make any real effort to adjust his lifestyle to her. He doesn't <laughs> clean up in advance. And she's pretty accommodating, but at a certain point, she starts to get frustrated with, like, he's a record collector. I did love the scenes of him, like, going to yard sales and mm-hmm. stuff and, and yeah. trying to look for diamonds in the rough. Even his narration was like, this is a fucking waste of time 90% <laughs> of the time, but occasionally you'll find one thing that's cool, mm-hmm. um, which is accurate. Uh, so he never really adjusts to her, and I don't even really, we don't. They they kind of they're kind of vague I think on purpose about the status of their relationship. Yeah. Um. It, it certainly was important that they had that creative project together because she was a little bit stifled by moving there and 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 felt unfulfilled because she wasn't um, she had this desire to to help people and goes over to um, Palestine or or somewhere in the Middle East at, at one point to help kids. Israel. Israel, yeah. Um, um, please don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no crucify idea. me for for uh, mixing that up. Um, but yeah. So when they get to work on that together, and it's her idea to document the year of cancer in comic book form, which is what he's always done with his life. But mm-hmm. he wasn't going to do it with this. It seems like right. No, he wasn't planning to at all. Um, and then it was her idea to be like, well, we'll just hire someone and we'll help tell the story. Yeah. And that's when he gets upset because he's like, there's too many words in this frame. And yeah. then he takes over just as she thought he was going to. So, Well, it's so it's so like cool the way it plays out when he goes off, he leaves the apartment and she has the artist come over and mm-hmm. it's just setting every the artist comes over and with um, his kid who his wife has kind of uh, left him with it to take care of the kid, the artist. And um, so, you know, Harvey's going to come home and flip out because there's a man there and they're having fun. But it doesn't really it plays out like that for a second um, because he's because she's going behind his back, I guess, to have the art. But very Mm -hmm. quickly, he like gets into it and then he gets so into it that he lets her like adopt the, the kid for them. You know, I don't know how much he was involved in the decision but he didn't stand in the way <laughs> yeah well and he had in his first like one of the first conversations he told her he had a vasectomy like, yeah. right when they met uh that was like his her, first words yeah yeah just to like let her know like <laughs> we're not having kids i don't want kids at all yeah and then he saw like the joy that that kid was bringing her so it's pretty sweet of him to be like okay oh and you're right it was palestine so just a oh, okay. fact check um Oh, got something right <laughs> yeah so i mean I, yeah what do you think Eric, about, there? oh i was gonna say we haven't talked about his voice at all oh yes. yeah go ahead so, Derek. no go ahead <laughs> ashley <laughs> um he starts to lose his voice and that's why his second wife leaves him one of the many reasons um yeah. but he has like an is it like a nodule or what do they call it it's something in his throat that keeps getting inflamed because he yells all the time. So if he was just yes. if he would just relax and not yell so much, his voice would like he would calm down, and then his the nodule or whatever would go away. Um, but yeah, it's often on like squeaky throughout the whole movie, and especially when the 
actual Harvey Harvey P. Carr is talking, like narrating. It's pretty apparent that there's something wrong. Yeah, Drew, yeah. do you want to try to do an impression? Uh, wait a second. <laughs> I, I think your Dracula's better. Why, why are you leaving me? I don't know. It just like that was cracks. pretty good. That, that was, was like Kermit, good. Kermit the Frog a little bit. Um, yeah, a little so the, bit... the the dialogue throughout the entire film is just very interesting. Yeah, yeah, a little strained. Yeah, yeah, especially for like yeah, our introduction to the character is not very appealing because he can't talk his wife is leaving him he's you know pretty much at rock bottom where the Mm -hmm. movie picks up and then it it jumps back in time it jumps like or jumps around a little bit it uh during that revenge of the nerd scene it's set in 1984 great year (laughs) so we covered the 70s the 80s and maybe um, i don't know how far it gets beyond um uh, like the late 80s where where he eventually retires, but we see a long um, swath of his life and a range of how things are going before um, before they land in a pretty a pretty good place. Obviously, the comic book is eventually a big life changing thing, but he's he never quits the he never quits the file clerk job, which he always points out like he doesn't to Letterman and all these yeah. very hostile. Um, oh, those are hard to appearances watch. on the yeah. Letterman show where he kind of knows he's being bought, brought on as a punching bag and he kind of embraces it. Uh, but he eventually like kind of um, uh, has too much and flips out and just makes starts calling out the parent company for their Oil. politics or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's just kind of a complete tangent. And, and he's wearing like a band NBC shirt or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they couldn't get Letterman. Um, either NBC wouldn't let them, or for some reason, because they do show the real Harvey Picar mm-hmm. um, on the show, but they can't show uh, Letterman because he wasn't allowed to be in the the movie for some, or didn't want to be, or wasn't allowed to be in the be. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, just as a fun little fact, Harvey Picar worked in the veter- the VA hospital from 1965 until he retired in 2001. Holy shit. So is that where the movie go- so the movie goes all the way to 2001 then yep yeah wow wow that's crazy yeah he's yeah. got some sort of, i mean he's a very eclectic unique personality to to first want to create a comic like that well yep. just every part of his life is yeah yeah it's very interesting well he's yeah he's narcissistic in that respect but not like you know, a monster necessarily, but he is depressed and he does, he can have a negative impact on people in his lives, uh, his life. It's not like a one-sided portrayal of um, making him into a hero by any means. It's a pretty balanced, mm-hmm. uh, by once they bring Joyce in and especially once they bring the real Joyce in, you can sense the tension and whatever the status of their relationship is, or if it, I kind of sense that it was that it had ended, but they don't make that explicitly clear. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were still together or not. Yeah, um, um, but they did raise the. I mean, they do show them. She's at the the party, the retirement party at the end, and so hopefully they have some kind of relationship, and it's whatever on whatever terms they want it to be. It's. I don't know. This was such a. Um, 
exciting movie to to see and to see like i can i can totally understand why festival audiences are so um blown away by it it's formalistically unique and it's emotionally resonant and it's still it feels like an indie production even though it's very like polished and and um well done but it just feels like grounded in real life obviously because of the <laughs> characters yeah. being in the movie yeah I've got a, i actually have a, a factor on that sure so they were originally going to uh make this an hbo film Oh. And they gave him 1.5 million, I think it was, to do it, mm-hmm. which is pretty big for an indie film. And then um, they they actually gave him 500k more for post production. So oh wow! And then they they uh, made it a theatrical release versus HBO. So that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I want to look up the um, uh, filmmaker names real quick because they had made they came from the documentary world, not surprisingly. Um, so and written and directed. Doing... Oh, go ahead. Sherry Springer, uh, Berman, and Robert Bolcini uh, uh, had <laughs> directed documentaries before this. I was what also going to add. I was just going to add that Harvey Picar, Picar, and Joyce were married until he passed away. Oh gosh, I guess we should have mentioned that. I didn't even yeah. know. I didn't know that either. He yeah. he passed away in 2010 okay. at the age of so, 70, but they were married now. until till then okay well that's cool um yeah well that almost makes those scenes even more interesting because they really i mean one it's just the way she like she doesn't appear in his life until the movie has a decent amount of ground to cover before that but she Mm -hmm. doesn't appear in like the in-person scenes until a good amount through the movie so when you see them at the table together just their dynamic she's calling him out on his shit which yeah yeah (laughs) You know the the film to some degree, just because he's the main character, it can't help but like make you very empathetic and 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 um, admire him. But like mm-hmm. then you see her perspective is a little more <laughs> a little more complicated than that. Yeah, and I noticed in that scene when they're sitting at the table that they're both wearing wedding rings. So I was like, I assume they were oh, married, okay. still married together. Yeah, well that's that's lovely. I mean, they make a very um, interesting uh couple and i assume like they've hopefully they kept working on projects together and and complementing each other's lives in that way as well as they as they grew older Mm -hmm. anything else to say about this for now i just really liked it it started off a little bit it just started off interesting and kind of a little slow just because i was like i'm not i didn't really know much about it and then the more you get to know the characters the more you're like okay i'm in and then when it ends, you're like, oh, kind of like it could last a little longer. <laughs> yeah, there, there's other. I mean, we might be like Toby. We talked about a little bit. He is such a um, delightful addition so to the cast. Yeah. Um, there's his other. Basically, everyone in his life is just his coworkers. Uh, well, mm-hmm. we mentioned Crumb, um, who's kind of. If it wasn't for Crumb, he would have never had the idea or kind of like thought that he could um, attempt to write mm-hmm. it. There is the really cool scene where he, we get this like this um, scene that we see in a lot of movies about artists where they like stay up all night. They have a burst of inspiration and he stays up all night writing down um, his first kind of comic book strip. His stick figure um, comics. Yeah, his stick figures. <laughs> and he takes it to Crumb the next day 
And what did you think Crumb's reaction was going to be to it? Like, that was a very... It was kind um, of tense. Well, Crumb doesn't really react to anything. Like, he doesn't yeah. have any expression. So it was really hard to tell if he liked it or not until he goes through the whole thing while they're over, like, having breakfast. And then he's like, these are re- really good. Yeah. And Harry Potter's like, what? And he starts screaming, well, and then his voice starts to, like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, uh, we forgot to, I forgot to mention, that's, he's magically cured. So there is yeah. something mm-hmm. about the the voice that's a little mystical, like, it it works on every level like as a metaphor that or as a literal like you're way too angry so chill out and maybe your voice will get better but yeah. also like the way his life is going is reflected in this uh, whether he can talk or not so as soon as something positive happens for him he can all of a sudden like talk again and crumb <laughs> points it out in the moment but it's pretty like uh the movie frames it in a way that seems like it was almost an emotional block more mm-hmm. so than physical uh, mm-hmm. because it, it was so quickly turned around <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I was on the edge of my seat like they want you to be in the edge of your seat like the uh um Picard character is when you hand off something you really care about and he's like sort of explaining it as crumb is reading and crumb's not crumb has a poker face on the whole time Mm -hmm. and so it's a scene that you've either been experienced in real life or seen in movies before and it could have gone either way but uh, obviously the fact that he really liked it was was like a huge turning point and he was like i'll illustrate it for you and you're like yeah and then there's and then there's that (laughs) yeah (laughs) and off to the races um but again like off to the races in the independent comic book world where they're selling like a couple hundred I, who knows like dozens of copies a couple hundred copies like it's he's not making a ton of money and he never retires no. <laughs> or he retires um and then lives for another nine years um yeah but i don't know what his comic output was post um retirement from the, the va job yeah i don't either i know that his net worth is 12 million dollars okay well that's something but i don't know if that's af- Sure, this movie came out obviously he made a lot of money off of that but i don't know how long he had the money before he passed away i'm sure this movie was a huge boon for say like they probably reissued you know compilations and oh, yeah. i think the cancer year they make a big deal out of that in the movie like that was a big hit um yeah. i assume like that was the big financial breakthrough mm-hmm. um compared to the individual comic book issues to that point yeah all right. Well, I think we're good on American Splendor. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a second. We are um, seeing so many movies for Sundance that we're going to skip Rank the Blank this week. Boo. However, yeah, Just boo. Well, you can um, make up for it by sharing a poem if you want. No, boo me. <laughs> um, all right. Well, no poem, no Rank the Blank, but that doesn't mean we don't have a awesome sponsor this week. So let's play that. Want to know the only thing easier than getting to Park City, Utah? Enjoying Park City, Utah. <laughs> Catch one of many nonstop flights into the Salt Lake City International Airport and arrive in Park City in time to ski the same day. Check out our latest vacation specials and book your trip oh, now yeah. at visitparkcity.com. Are oh, you yeah. Do you want to read Morgan those prices? Freeman? Do you want to read those prices, Derek? Uh, 
Did we uh, show it? It was like an $80 flight or something. Um, <laughs> and whatever year our sponsor um, exists then. So yeah, thank you to the Park City Chamber of Commerce for <laughs> supporting this fake broadcast. Sponsoring. For yeah. fake sponsoring <laughs> this podcast. Um, yeah, so we're going to go straight into our um, episode wrap-up mode. Ashley, what do, we, what do we got here? All right, let's start with if we consider American Splendor a new release or old news based off of legacy remakes. We want more. It was original. What do you guys think? We can go one at a time. Derek, you want to go first? Yes. Well, I mean, I feel like this is a three, two, one, but yeah, it's absolutely a new release. Um, like Drew mentioned, how how old is this film? It's twenty, 20 years, years old. Years. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels. It, I still haven't seen anything quite like it. So it's absolutely a new release for me. And I love yeah. these these kind of realistic, uh, showing you know depicting real emotions and people's lives and stuff. Especially if it's an artist, so absolutely yeah. new release for me. Yeah, I completely agree. It doesn't feel like it was created twenty years ago. It feels like I could watch this today and be like, oh, it just came out. Have you heard of American Splendor? It's so good. Um, yeah. So yeah, new release for me, Drew. Yes. Okay. <laughs> three, three. <laughs> no, uh, I was going to say earlier that. Another movie I'm pretty sure that comes out this year we may or may not be watching is the first Incredible Hulk, uh, directed by Ang Lee, who's a really um, thoughtful, creative storyteller. And I, I distinctly remember um, that they would... Marvel does this to some extent in the newer films, but in the uh, Ang Lee one originally, he was like showing um, scene, like comic book scenes and then the Hulk would come out of it. But that's like... It just it's doesn't doesn't work as well for something is like um, over the top high budget as, yeah <laughs> like an actual superhero movie like this is so this feels so original is because like blending real life and comic books portraying real life isn't as much of a stretch as mm-hmm. <laughs> right like trying to make a comic book movie feel like it's coming out of a comic book so anyway. Yeah. It almost, that almost like makes exaggerates the difference where this is perfectly complementary and, and um, symbiotic to each other. So I loved it. Um, Yay. New, new releases release across the board. Yep. Perfect. All right. So how early aughts on a scale of zero to 103 is American Splendor? Right now we have City of God, which is just a 55. So <laughs> I'd have to say it's higher than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, City yeah. of God was a tough one of those tough ones because, yeah. much like this movie, it was set in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but this so had they... some two thousands at the end. The retirement yeah. party. The characters are in it, or the real life people are in it. Sorry, um, still not it's, very high. We don't. Yeah, it's still not very high. We we're gonna like we skipped just married, which was a great call. Um, Ashley <laughs> made us skip it and then didn't join the podcast anyway. But I watched but... the movie and you guys enjoyed it, right? Yeah, but what I'm saying is like that's the baseline we might have needed to like to how 2003 something is is not a good not necessarily a good thing. So like yeah. these movies feel timeless um and hold up very well whereas just married might have been might have gotten a close to a perfect score <laughs> even though <laughs> it would have been a bad movie cuz I was trying to think of like what are some examples of movies that are going to feel like early odds. And mm-hmm. I think we just, we happen to skip one. So anyway, this isn't going to get a very high score, but as always, that doesn't mean we don't, we didn't love it. 
Yeah. So, and I, I mean, I'm sure we'll watch some other movies that are going to be like 103. I'm sure there'll be some yes. that are going to be yes. pretty yes. quintessential. Well, next week, um, well, next, next week when we get, when we leave Sundance, yeah, we might, we might be in aughts territory there. Mm, okay. Um, so I don't really know how to score this. I'd say higher than City of God just because it had some 2000 in it, but I would give it like a 62. I yeah. don't know. I was thinking 65. Okay. So in the 60s okay. for sure. We can always adjust, but 60, 65 sounds good. Okay. And then each week when we watch a movie, we take something from the movie and we sell it in our new release gift shop. And this season we, oh, okay, guys. Um, I clearly wasn't on this podcast because you just have grab bag with guns, question mark. Only so. some of the grab bags contain actual guns. Yeah. What yeah. do the other grab bags have? Knives, uh, dynamite, you know, brass Okay, so just dangerous stuff. Okay, a dangerous yeah. grab bag. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's do something a little less dangerous for this one. Um, do you want to do a new release comic strip? Uh, you read my mind. So yeah, and I think Crumb, we sh- Crumb illustrates it for us. Sure. Yeah, if we can get them, um, we can. And we we should. We can. <laughs> yeah, I think that's perfect. So we can. Um, we like much like the mundane things that they um, immortalize in American Splendor. We can take our most exciting, most riveting conversations <laughs> and immortalize those in comic book form. Nothing translates better to a visual medium like comic books than a podcast. So yeah, it's perfect. Let's do so it. Podcast comic book. Good. Yeah. Awesome. All that right. Might, that might be a first, a graphic novelization of a podcast. A po- of an audio recording. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay. So what are we going to watch next week? Yeah, next week, um, more like next day, um, but you'll hear it next week. So we're going to be picking another Sundance movie to discuss. And this one is a little more low-key romance romance, (laughs) um, set in kind of a um, undeveloped southern town with not a lot going on other than um, hanging out with the boys pissing with her pants down and um teaching her dog how to swim maybe yep. maybe finding finding love um so yeah maybe. all the real girls Ooh, all right you're not sorry no i know that because you're not smart enough to be sorry have you ever seen an animal make a mistake <laughs> i love you why would you say that what is wrong with you i just want to be like she never existed no you don't Oh, sounds like a lot of emotions going on. Great. <laughs> yeah, very emo- emotional music. And um, I love that that animal <laughs> bar scene. But we'll talk more about that next week. If you want to join along, then you can search new release on Spotify, on Apple, on other stuff. And that's it, Ashley. Oh, man, I was. Oh, uh, I would say that's like a. No, I don't know. I don't have it. I don't have it. Derek? Oh, my God. I'm trying to think of one, too. <clears throat> Drew? <laughs> that's a comic strip. I was going to say that's a strip. Yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. Perfect. So we did go back to R-rated. Yeah. yeah. Whoops.
typically a collector of jazz records. Oh, yes, that's right. what most of the soundtrack is. 